Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. When a patient has a permanent vision loss, uh, we have so many ways we can intervene to assist. And in many ways, it's teaching a patient new ways to use the vision they have remaining. Today, we'll be talking about how a low vision optometrist might be able to help you. We'll speak with Richard Jamara and Sarah Hinckley, two of the editors of a training guide for low vision optometrists who hope to train more of them and to increase awareness of the existence of this very useful specialty. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Richard Jamara. One of the things that uh, really was amazing to me is that patients always came to me and said, I want you to help me to see better. And I always have to tell them that I'm not going to get them to see better. They, they came 2200, they came and see me at 2100, and unfortunately, they're going to leave at 2200 and 2100. If that was possible, it would have been done. I can't help them see better, but I can help them become better at seeing. That's the twist. I can help every, they say, can you help every patient? I said, yes, I can help every patient that comes in. And Peter, you may argue with me about that, but the idea is not only better at seeing, but better at using things and devices that would help you compete in that visual world. And I can do that for every patient that comes in. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Richard and Sarah and learning about why the existence of low vision rehabilitation services is so important. We have two guests with us today to talk about a very important topic. And I thought we could start. Maybe, Richard, you can tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you, Peter. My name is Richard Jamar. I'm a doctor of optometry. And I graduated from the New England College of Optometry and then also was a faculty there, uh, retiring in just 2018. I've had a long career of over 40 years in optometry, and it's been a, just a wonderful uh, career and experience. Thank you. And we also have Sarah with us. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Hi. Yes. Thanks, Peter. My name is Sarah Hinckley. I am also an optometrist. And I am the Chief of Vision Rehabilitation Services at the Michigan College of Optometry at Ferris State University in Michigan. I am also a professor of optometry, so I have the pleasure of working with the future eye doctors um, in this country and uh, training them in the areas of low vision rehabilitation, pediatrics, vision therapy, and, and some other fun things. So you folks both said you were optometrists, but you're kind of special optometrists. Do you deal with low vision in particular? Yes, we are providers of low vision rehabilitation, 
both Rich and I have not only the opportunity to examine and treat patients with low vision in the clinic, but we also have experience in teaching optometry students in the area of low vision rehabilitation so that hopefully many of them have an interest in go out and practice in this area to take care of patients. That's right, uh, Sarah. And uh, I would just add that this area is an area where not a large number of optometrists go into. And so I think one of our burdens was that uh, we wanted more optometry students to select this, not necessarily as a specialty, but to be able to do it even within their primary care optometry. And that's our mission. You know, that is great to hear. That has always been one of my pet peeves. I feel myself somewhat fortunate to have been blind or partially sighted since when I was born. So I was plugged into all these special services. But many people who start to have vision problems later in life, they're not plugged into these services. And often their ophthalmologist or optometrist don't recommend all the special devices and ways of doing things that could make their lives a little bit easier. So I'm glad to hear that you're teaching that to the next generation of doctors. Yes, that's certainly one of the biggest struggles that we see as well. Many of our patients come into our vision rehabilitation clinics without a lot of um, knowledge about the field. Many of them find their own way to us without being referred officially by their providers, which is, of course, very uh, frustrating to patients who wish they had known sooner that these services exist and how much they can offer in terms of resources and support. And we find ourselves making other people aware that low vision optometry is even an option. And the two of us have no need for those services. I'm fully sighted and Pete's totally blind, but there's a whole range in between where what you do can make their lives a lot better. Yes, absolutely. And I think since the primary care ophthalmologist or optometrist is the first meeting point when someone says, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my vision or my vision's not as clear, they specifically should be aware of how to refer this Yes, I agree. And I also think that it's one of my primary goals as an educator to make sure that all optometry students, at least at my university and college, graduate with the knowledge of the importance of low vision rehabilitation. Even if they don't practice in that area, my goal is that they are aware of it so that they can refer for it and not ignore it and be sure to educate patients on its existence and how helpful it can be to them. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the new training guide for low vision optometrists that Richard Jamara, Sarah Hinckley, and others worked so hard on to write and edit. In just a minute, we'll be talking about the contents of the new book that you put together for training new optometrists called Low Vision Rehabilitation. But before we get to that, maybe you can tell us how the book came to be. Back in um, 2016, we had an educators meeting of the low vision faculty who all teach across the country 
um, low vision rehabilitation to their students. And one of the reasons for these meetings is to standardize the care so that every student across the country has the same competency upon graduation. And that's when we said, you know what, there needs to be a uh, reference that they can go to after they graduate. You know, we don't uh, see students dragging their notes into their clinical care. So having a reference to uh, begin their practice, how to start a low vision practice, how to refer patients, and a device or a book that we could keep updated was the goal. Yes, thanks, Dr. Jamara. I agree. It was a uh... One of the passion projects, I guess, of our educator group, because many of us had used low vision textbooks in our optometric education in the past, and many of the best books out there were no longer in print or slowly being discontinued. And we we just felt that there was this lack of consistent information out there for students to access. And so uh, we got together as a group of dedicated faculty and said, Let's write our own. Let's make this happen so that we can not only standardize the curriculum, as Dr. Jamara mentioned, but also um, have a resource for our students that's inexpensive, readily accessible, and uh, very um, detailed and great important information for them and their practices. And I understand you put together a consortium of low vision optometrist providers to contribute to this book. Would you like to Tell us who the other authors are. I'll tell you the editors. <laughs> so besides Dr. Hinckley and myself, uh, Dr. Machinsky and Dr. Uh, Carl Siddick, the four of us were the editors to sort of corral this project. And then we have over 30 contributors. Uh, these are uh, low vision doctors uh, across the country who uh, at, at, would uh, pick a topic and write a chapter. So we have 17 chapters. And you mentioned that you wanted to create a product that you could continuously update. I assume that means that this is in digital form. Yes, we have created it in digital form through originally an iBook, uh, which is obviously available through the Apple Store. And it has been a great way to go because not only can we continually update it, which is important as information changes, but we can also add active videos, links, and other digital methods for accessing information. And that's been very helpful. It also has an Amazon Kindle version so that um, those that don't use Apple products can also access it digitally. So we talked a little bit about the book. Can you tell us what's in the book and how it's structured? What are people likely to see? Yes. What happens is that we have followed through our competency um, skills that we teach to all our students, starting with the patient um, identification in the sense of history, learning about the patient, psychosocial questions. And so the book follows chapter by chapter in the examination of the patient with low vision rehabilitation uh, needs. And uh, so then we would continue with testing the vision doing the testing for refraction, which is finding out what type of glasses would help them or help them at least see with their devices, onto a lot of the training and the different devices um, and the resources. And also, I think very importantly, Dr. Hinckley's chapter, which is many times doctors will tell us, I would love to do low vision, 
but I just don't know how to fit it into my practice. It just doesn't seem to be the dollar per minute type of procedures that I can afford to offer. And Dr. Hinckley's chapter is about billing and the functionality of how you can do this billing to make this specialty work within your practice. So the discussion of government resources, as well as the insurance billing, is also a big part of the book. It's interesting that you start out with some of the psychological or you know emotional parts of vision loss, because that's a big deal, I would guess, when a person comes in when they're older and they're starting to have some vision issues. Part of the issue is just accepting the problem and being open to new ways of doing things or new tools and technologies to help out. Yes, absolutely. We we really felt that was an important piece of it. And it's also an important piece of our curriculums within the, the colleges and schools of optometry to uh, introduce students to that concept. And looking at patients holistically from the perspective of uh, psychosocial implications of vision loss, resources, a need for counseling, um, other coinciding conditions that might impact their ability to go through vision rehabilitation. These are all areas that are really important in the holistic care of patients with vision loss and vision impairment. And I think that's a critical piece of it. We also really strive to educate students on the fact that when you lose vision, it's like grieving anything. Um, You have to go through a process of, of grieving. And that grieving is incredibly challenging for anyone. And everyone goes through it differently. And, you know, the stages of grief are something that uh, patients experience. And so having our students and the future optometrists in low vision rehabilitation uh, understand that is really important in creating empathetic providers. And of course, by the time the patients get to you or the people you're training, their ophthalmologist has already told them that there's nothing that they can do medically to improve their vision. And oh, by the way, it may continue to get worse. And so they're partway into this grieving period. And it's up to you and the people you're training to help them get on with life and be able to find other ways to do things that they otherwise might have thought were going to be impossible. Yes, and it's really important to identify uh, right away up front that the things that we can do are not the things that you went to see that primary care doctor about. You went to see the eye doctor the same way we all do. Can you make my vision better? And uh, once the doctor says, well, these uh, standard uh, ways of uh, examining you and to prescribe glasses do not improve your vision, then it really is a, a real barrier. And to say that there is hope in rehabilitation is a, a, just a wonderful gift. And we have patients come to us who are so thankful that they were sent in our direction. And that's one of the biggest things to teach. You know, doctors don't like to be wrong. Doctors don't like to fail. And so a lot of times they will avoid areas that they feel um, they're not going to be successful at. And what we're telling our students is that by referring that patient, you are a success. This is the next step. And I mentioned about a standard of care, and I'll just quickly review it. In 2016, the Ophthalmology um, Association identified as a standard of care that the vision acuity 
And this is uh, that, that fraction that we talk about, 20 over something. The top 20 is where the, the patient is sitting. And the bottom 20 or 40 or 60 or 100 is where the average person can sit and still see the same thing. So when we say you're 20 over 20, then you and the average person have average vision. But if you're 20 over 40, then the average person can sit back 40 feet and see the same thing you see at 20. Now, what the ophthalmology uh, decided to say was the standard of care now since 2016 has been any patient who is worse than 2040 has to, and the standard of care is to be referred to low vision rehabilitation. And that's a huge breakthrough. That's corrected vision, right? Because, you know, a lot of people are 20, 100, but they can put on regular eyeglasses and see 2020. Great point. That, that has to be your best corrected vision. Uh, worse than 2040 is a person who needs low vision rehabilitation. And traditionally or classically, we don't see people until they're 2100, 2200. And we could have uh, really gotten started and done so many things earlier on. That's terrific. For anybody who might not know, can you just quickly review what some of the things that you can do for a low vision patient that, you know, going to a regular optometrist and getting your best prescription eyeglasses just isn't going to cut it? Absolutely. So when a patient has a permanent vision loss, uh, we have so many ways we can intervene to assist. And in many ways, it's teaching a patient new ways to use the vision they have remaining. And that might involve magnification, special lamps or lighting, like directional lighting, uh, tints or filters to alter contrast and enhance the sight that remains. Sometimes it's more of a method-based instruction where we're teaching a patient to utilize the parts of the retina that are healthy, uh, like looking to the side of things instead of right at them in order to see the best image they can with the retinal damage that they've sustained. Um, so sometimes it's more of a, a training and technique-based assessment or management plan. It really just depends on the patient. Uh, we talk about environmental modifications that might make life easier on a daily basis. So things like um, where should the TV be placed compared to their chair, uh, using a computer and modifications and techniques for making that easier. So uh, really, it's so much more than just magnifiers and devices. I think that's what a lot of people think about low vision as as being, and that's certainly part of it. But there's, there are so many other ways that we can assist and help a patient beyond just magnifying devices as well. And it also includes a lot of resource provision, uh, referrals to other providers for specialty services like um, orientation and mobility services if they're struggling to get around safely or falling a lot, having trouble navigating environments. Um, sometimes it's occupational therapy, sometimes it's vision rehabilitation therapy or home therapy, and, and sometimes it's uh, school-based or occupational interventions. Really just, we have so many methods that we can use and, and ways, and we really do problem solve. So we tell the patient, you know, we're here to support you, be your advocate, and problem solve ways to make your activities of daily living uh, easier and more efficient for you. 
And again, those aren't tools or resources that the general ophthalmologist is likely to recommend because they're dealing with the physiological problems of the eye and really focused on that instead of your lifestyle and how to make life easier for yourself. Yes, that's right. That's where the doctor has to stop and say, all right, now we need to switch gears. And so rehabilitation with vision now has to uh, grow and be something that's commonplace amongst the practitioners. And I think we're training the students and the graduating doctors to be able to um, understand what that patient needs. And now it is important for that patient to come in with their questions, with their uh, ideas, with what they know and what they're doing, so that you can work as a team, uh, you and the doctor, to get the best result. And of course, it's always important to advocate for yourself, but boy, you would hope that their other providers would say, hey, you know, there's this other option. I can't provide it, but here's the name of somebody who can. Yes, that is definitely part of our educational mission to spread the word on that and to educate future optometrists, at least in this country, that this is important. It's uh, important to us as a profession. It's important to patients that you are uh, knowledgeable about it enough that you can at least know what resources exist and refer if you don't provide the service yourself. Uh, I just recently completed a, a training for ophthalmology residents in our state on this very topic because uh, they have wonderful training and background, but many times they aren't educated on this option for patients. And it was wonderful to spend an hour teaching them about what is vision rehabilitation, what do we actually do, and why is it important that we partner with you to help these patients uh, in their daily lives. It's interesting that you and your profession are putting together these tools and resources to train optometrists to deal with low vision rehabilitation. But I'm guessing a lot of people don't directly come to you. They come with an eye problem and they're seeing an ophthalmologist. So it seems it really is important to train the ophthalmologist at some point to be able to say, okay, I can't deal with this problem, but I know who to refer you to. Do you see that happening these days? Are you getting referrals from ophthalmologists? You know, how do people connect with you? Well, I'll talk about the uh, agencies, uh, like in the state of Massachusetts, where I am. And the Commission for the Blind uh, is trying to work very well with the, say, uh, Mass Eye and Ear, as well as the New England College of Optometry Clinics, uh, so that there will be this uh, teamwork between the two groups. And I think we're starting to see it a, a lot more because, uh, like as uh, Dr. Inkley was saying, the residents are being trained in ophthalmology for a certain amount of low vision education. And then uh, right away, the question is, well, where do we do this? And that's when you want to know the resources of the low vision clinics, say in the city like Boston, or if you're uh, in a more remote location, do you have some telehealth options that you can use or other types of resources statewide? So you're talking about people being referred to optometrists like yourselves from low vision rehab services for the blind. That's right. So sometimes that's kind of a uh, hurdle for people. People, especially when they lose their sight when they're older, they don't want to accept that label of blind. And, you know, I expect they don't often turn to those agencies right off. 
Yeah, that can be true for sure. I think part of the issue is that um, the word isn't completely out about the services, you know, what exists and where, but we are working very hard to change that as a profession. So it's a public awareness issue and we're, we're definitely working on it as a profession. Uh, I think training students as the future will help and getting the word out and how important it is to our students now in optometry school. That's a big piece of it. The public awareness will come along as well. And we are happy to do our bit to help publicize the valuable services that you're providing. Yes, thank you for all that you do in that way. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about low vision optometry and what it can do for you, how to get the book Low Vision Rehabilitation, and how to contact its editors, Richard Jamara and Sarah Hinckley. Well, we talked about your book quite a bit, but I was hoping you could tell us the title of the book and where people can get it. Yes, the uh, title of the book is Low Vision Rehabilitation edited by uh, myself, Richard Jamara, um, Dr. Sarah Hinckley, Dr. Tracy Machinsky, and Dr. Carl Zidek. So that is available on Amazon, and it is also available on iBooks app. So this is a, a wonderful place to go to to uh, read a sample of the book or look at it. And then, uh, you know, again, in the advocacy part, um, as you visit your eye doctor, this is a good book to reference for them to just say you'd heard a, a podcast about this and that they can also look at this resource. Because once they realize there's a resource available, it may be something that they've been looking for to your eye doctor or any of your therapists that you meet. And you told us that you got your publisher to make a very generous offer. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yes, uh, I was talking to Mark Bullimore of Ridgeview Publishing, and I said, Mark, what we would like to see is people who have visual impairment themselves, what would they think of the book? Even if they just got a rough look at it, look at the table of contents, kind of thumb through the chapters on the introduction part and psychosocial behavior, see if they have some identification with it. So he said, go ahead, and we're going to make an offer that we're the first two uh, listeners who will email me at my email address. It's my last name, Jamara, J-A-M-A-R-A, my first initial R, at N-E-C-O, that's New England Culture of Optometry Letters, N-E-C-O dot E-D-U, and just to send me an email that you'd be interested in reviewing the book, and, and you would write a, uh, a little uh, brief review on Amazon or iBooks. And then we will send you a code so you can download a free copy and uh, take a look at it yourself. And that's for the first two people who, who do that and tell you they heard about it on Eyes on Success. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So Richard already provided his email address if anybody wants to contact him. Sarah, how would people contact you if they want to? Yes. So my email is the best way to contact me. And it is my name, Sarah with an H. Hinkley, H-I-N-K-L-E-Y, at ferris, F-E-R-R-I-S, dot E-D-U. And I welcome contact. I welcome questions from anyone interested in chatting with me that way. Feel free to reach out. 
And of course, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. We'll also have information about how to get a free copy of the book if you're interested in writing a review. That's it for show number 2247. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. Not the song, the book, although Art Garfunkel does figure prominently into many of the stories included in the book. We'll speak with author Sanford Greenberg about this memoir about his personal journey and how enduring friendships made such a difference in his life. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to catch you again next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.